Church, can we just stand and give God some praise in the house of God today? Let's make a joyful noise. For we have a king. Keep on, keep on praising God. Warrington, I ask you, keep on praising God. In the presence of a king, there's a lot of rejoicing. Let's rejoice. Amen? We have a king, and his name is Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe we said, Warrington, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on our Warrington campus. We're excited that we can open God's Word together. And if you are watching online somewhere, I pray that you'll get ready to hear the voice of God. Are you ready to hear the voice of God today? Man, the songs that we sang today, this takes us right into the throne room of God. And I pray today that uh, no one will be left out. Let's be in the throne room of King Jesus. I am thrilled to open God's Word with you today. Now, if you are watching online, I pray that you will take advantage of the opportunity you have to worship today. This week, three years ago, I was with a group of men high up on a mountain. And while we were there on this mountain, we began to start a fire. And you'll see a picture coming on the screen today of what it looks like to be where we were. So we were high up in a mountain um, with a nice SUV. I think that's a Suburban, if you're wondering. And so there were six men gathered in this very remote location out west. And so as we got there, we, we decided, hey, this is a nice place. Uh, it's dark. No one's near us. So, well, uh, what do we do? Let's start a fire. So we decided, okay, let's start a fire. So we got the wood together, and we, we got some, some dry grass together to, uh, to start the fire. We got a piece of paper together, and then we began to look for matches. And each one of us looked at, you got a match in your pocket? No, I don't carry one. Why should I carry one? And so we began to ask each other, do you have a light? And no one had a light. Bear in mind, there were two Marines in that group. There was an engineer in that group. There was a business owner in the group. There even was an ag teacher in the group. And there was a preacher. And so we began to ask ourselves, hey, let's put a plan together to start a fire. This is like a perfect night. Let's start a fire. We searched the vehicle. Perhaps people who rented it before us left their matches in there. No luck. And we began to look in every compartment of the car, no luck. 25 minutes later, we decided to uh, get the battery, change some wires. I don't know where those engineers got the wires from. And they began to spark uh, some flames to get this fire started. And you can hear the conversation. They're like, we, 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 we got it, we, we got it. Oh, man. And I'm like, God, please help us start this fire, you know. And then we didn't start. 45 minutes later, we gave up. <laughs> and God dropped in my spirit that moment in that dark night, I want to start a new fire. 
So I just told those guys, hey, let's just pray. Let's just pray. And we left the vehicle with the door ajar, and we just went in six different ways. And in that dark night, we got on our knees. I don't know what animals are close by. Uh, we were just on our knees individually calling on the name of the Lord. Twenty minutes later, I heard someone cry. And I'm scared to open my eyes because I, I don't know what's before me. But I, all I can hear very vividly, loudly, someone's crying. And friends, I opened my eyes, and that darkest night became the brightest day. It did not look like that when I closed my eyes, but it looked different when I opened my eyes. It was bright as day in my personal life, that was the most powerful time I spent in prayer. And I made my way to this brother who was crying. And this brother said, man, I miss these times in these settings because I miss my daddy. He's gone to be with the Lord 10 years ago. And as I wrapped my arms around him, the other men came, and we began to go on our knees now together as a group. And I promise you, the Spirit of God just descended upon us. And when we got on our, on our feet after meeting with God on this dark night, now it's a bright night, when we got up, we looked at a distance, and we can see very, very vaguely there's some lights far away. And he began to say, Lord, touch that community in Jesus' name. Lord, touch that community in Jesus' name. Lord, touch that community. And we went along. And we left that mountain just close to midnight. Can't find a place to eat. Needless to say, we were full. Funny enough, there was fried chicken down in the valley. Fast forward three years later, these men are serving God like never before. You know those lights we prayed? These lights were in Wyoming. And we prayed, Lord, every small town do a mighty work in these small towns. This year, we sent a mission team to our church plant in Wyoming with our partners. Three years ago, they had one student who knew Jesus, for the first time they had a lock-in, 68 students showed up. I asked the church planter, where in the world did 68 students come from in a community of 650 people? He said, Sean, there are various towns all around us, and we bust those children in. And I told him three years ago, we saw a light and we prayed for those towns. Today we will talk about, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me 
to pray. And when you come to prayer, God invites us to pray. Invites us to pray. Prayer is a personal communion with God. You pray and you desire to be closer to God. You desire to trust God. And you desire to be used of God. That's what happened on that night. And I pray today God will do it again. And again. And again. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I trust that you do, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. If you're watching online, grab a copy of God's Word. If you're driving, just listen to me. Don't grab your Word. You just turn to Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, Warrington campus. We're going to pray today that God will move on that campus, and you're going to feel a fresh anointing from God. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, after disciples were watching Jesus pray, now, whenever it is recorded in the New Testament that Jesus went to pray, he went to the Father, he came back so excited. He came back because he was praying, he, he, he was intense with God the Father. And I, I, I assume that when he came down, when the disciples looked at him, they said, Jesus, we want that same desired intimacy with the Father, we want that too. So Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, this is the Word of God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught His disciples. Teach us to pray. And you know the model prayer starts with our Father. So Jesus Christ came to make His Father our Father. That's the work of Jesus Christ. He came to make His Father our Father. And now we see in God's Word, He gives us three invitations to prayer. Three invitations to prayer. And I, and I know you understand prayer. We have great theology of prayer, but we lack the practice of prayer. As we come to the National Day of Prayer, we need to pray like never before. How many of you ever wonder, how did our community and country come to this place? Lord, teach us to pray. So there's three invitations of prayer. I want to encourage you today, and I want to challenge you to come to the altar. Let's go through this very quickly. The first thing, the first invitation is God invites us into the throne room. God invites us into the throne room. We heard the music team, the worship team sing, and in joining in singing, there is a fountain. He is the king. And if you have a king, you have a throne. And if you have a throne, I want to be close to that throne. Amen? I want to be close to my king. I don't want to be far away from my king. So the first invitation is God invites us into the throne room of God. He brings us into a deeper fellowship with God. That's what prayer does. It brings us into a, into a closer, deeper fellowship with God because prayer is a privilege. Guys, we get to do this. Prayer is a privilege, not a burden. 
It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a personal, deep communion with God. But let me take a moment and explain the word personal. The word personal, you just cannot show up at the throne room of God. We are sinful. We need a mediator. We need someone to represent us. We need a mediator. The word mediator means mesetes in Greek. It, it, it basically means the one who stands in the middle. He has a name. Help me. His name is Jesus. We need a mediator because we are sinful. We need someone to stand in between. We need a personal mediator. Paul told Timothy, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. His name is? Who came and gave his life as a ransom for us all. I'm reading the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews talks a lot about the mediator. The book of Hebrews talks a lot about the high priest. Let me invite you today into a few scripture verses in the book of Hebrews that will challenge you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14, this is what it reads. Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let's take a quick memory, memory lane trip, right? Let's go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when you come to the temple, you just come to the courtyards once a year, right? You bring your animal for a sacrifice, that sacrifice was foreshadowing the work of Jesus Christ. So you will come once a year, you come to the big temple, you will walk in, and you come into the courtyards. You do not pass the courtyard. You come into the courtyards, and you put your hand on that animal, and there's a sacrifice. And then you turn, and you go back, and you come back next year. Once a year, the high priest goes into the holy of holies. You are not welcome. I'm not welcome. The high priest goes into the holy of holies to represent, to stand in the middle between you and God. Hebrews goes on to say that we have now the great high priest. His name is Jesus. Look at what Jesus did for us in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself. So in the Old Testament, you would go and take a sacrificial animal and you'll sacrifice it in the courtyard and you will leave. In the New Testament, there comes Jesus. You remember John the Baptist? John chapter 1 and verse number 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. 
pointing to Jesus. Let me invite you now to Hebrews chapter 10. Based on the work of Jesus Christ, our high priest, we are privileged people. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19 and following. I pray you'll take note of this scripture. Therefore, brothers, because of what Jesus did for us, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a, pure, with a true heart, full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled and clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know what he's telling us? Basically, Jesus Christ came to take you and I from the courtyard into the throne room. The curtain has been torn in two. There is no barrier standing in between you and your God because Jesus stands in the middle. Underline the word confidence. If you know Jesus, you are confident to be in the presence of God. He turns no one away. Wow. So I'm reading this scripture. The curtain has been torn in two. That means there is nothing separating you between you and God. But I ask myself this question. Why are we still dancing in the courtyard when we could be dining in the throne room? You see, God in prayer invites us into the throne room. But guess what you and I settle for? The courtyard. We have an invitation to be close to our king. That's why Jesus Christ came, to make his father our father. But guess how we pray? We pray as if we are just in the courtyard. And I pray today that we will have confidence to go into the throne room of God. There's nothing separating you between you and God. Now, in the Old Testament, we have this priest going once a year into the Holy of Holies. Guys, hey, y'all, let me say it this way. We don't have a once-a-year invitation. We can go daily. As often as you want, you can go and be in the presence of God. Ask yourself this question, and many preachers would ask you, or many friends would ask you, when was the last time did you weep in the presence of God? Once a year. Do you know why? We spend more time in the courtyard than in the throne room. And guess what the enemy tries to do? So Satan as a ploy. Satan wants to keep you entertained in the courtyard because he knows he'll be destroyed in the throne room. Amen? Satan will keep you so preoccupied in the courtyard. He wants you to thank God for your dinner. He wants you to get, pray for safety as you drive to work. 
But that prayer, when you come on your knees in, 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 in tears, in confession, he keeps you away because that does not happen in the courtyard. That happens in the throne room. That's why the movie was called War Room, not Entertainment Room. Oh, I pray today, my friends, that you'll understand that Jesus is more glorified when you are in a throne room than you satisfied with your need being answered. God's glory sits way above your prayer request. And now He's calling us. The work of Jesus Christ is this, to move us from the courtyard into the throne room. Won't you want to be close to Jesus in the throne room of God? Well, the second invitation from this text, as I'm looking into this, Lord, teach us to pray. The first invitation is to the throne room. The second invitation is God invites us to trust Him. God invites us to trust Him. God delights when He is trusted. God delights in when he is trusted. So we look at that scripture, Lord, teach us to pray. You know what scripture teaches us in Proverbs chapter 3? Many of us know that verse. We know 5 and 6. We forgot 7. Let me read for you Proverbs chapter five, uh, 3, 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight right? But look at what verse number seven says, now be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Guess what we stop by? Verse six, right? We don't want to confess and say, Lord, I will follow your way because we want to be wise in our own understanding. We don't want to fear God. So we look at how can we know we can trust God? Psalm 20 gives us another great verse, verse number 7 and 8. One of my personal favorite verses, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Amen? How many of you watching online today, you know, without a shadow of doubt, if you don't trust God, you're done. I'm even in a room today, you know, if you don't put your trust in God, you're done. So do not trust yourself. Trust God. Trust God, because you can't trust God in the courtyard. Hello? You trust God in the, in the throne room. That's where you trust God. That's where these men were with me. I believe that night we were in the throne room. Because God loves when we acknowledge our dependence on Him. He is the creator, we are the creature, and He loves when we depend on Him because God is our creator. God is. On Friday night, a couple of men and I, we went on a, on a camping trip, and the, some of the guys brought their sons. So as we're talking about, I'm asking those boys, hey, what's your favorite verse? And this one child uh, he looked at the stars, and he looked at me. He said, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, 
and his head went up. God created the heavens and the earth. And this is what he said. Wow. <laughs> that verse became too simple for you and I. That verse does not wow us anymore. Amen? Wow. From the mouth of babes. Wow, my God made all that? Then they began to ask, what's the biggest star? I'm like, don't ask me. I'm not the guy. If you look at your God as a creator, your God has godly attributes. If you sing, my God is so big, then pray so big. You know, kids, you say, my God is so big, so strong, right? Well, pray like it. He wants you and I to trust Him. Our humble dependence also indicates that we are convinced of our God that He's alive, that He's watching over us. He does not want you to trust anything or anyone. He wants you to trust Him. If you're trusting anyone or anything beside Him, we have a name for that. It's called an idol. So you can trust God. Because let me just wow our minds. The same hand that threw the stars into place. And while that same God was crying as a baby in the manger, he still had control of the stars in the space. And while Jesus lived those lives, those same hands went on his knees to wash prideful man's heart. He had you and I in mind. Those same God, that same God who threw the stars into place, who cried in the manger, yet had the universe all under control, who went low to wash the feet, was nailed on the cross. While you keep his hands occupied, he does not need his hands to have the world and the galaxies in place. That's my God. You have a problem trusting this God? As so we say, you know what? Trust God. Lord, teach us to pray. I believe the disciples is asking is Jesus, teach us how to trust your Father the way you trust your Father. Because prayer is not your scheduled appointment with a busy executive. No, no, no. Prayer is personal time with your father. Abba, father. He loves. Warrington, he loves when you call upon his name. In fact, when you mention the name Jesus, you got the God of the universe's undivided attention. For you. For me. Wow. So I look at prayer and the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. No, when God answers no, it's not a rejection. It's a direction. Somebody hear me. The answer no is not a rejection. 
It's just a direction. How many of you are sitting right now? I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't sign that dotted line. I'm so glad. Why? When God answered no, you were mad at that time. So his no was not rejection. His no is direction. Because Jesus teaches the disciples which, which father, if his, his son asks for something, you'll give him something else. No. So I know many of you are hard of heart today because God told you no. He didn't say no for a, direct, uh, for a rejection. He said no because he says, I have something better for you. I have someone better for you. And so when you pray, we lack our trust in this, in this way. The waiting season, <laughs> we lose trust in the waiting season. How many of you are with me in the waiting season? You prayed, you met with Jesus, now you're waiting. It's like immigration paperwork. You did all the work and now you wait. <laughs> That's what happens when you trust God. He's teaching you in the process. Because in your waiting season, listen to this, my friends. God hears our prayers, God answers our prayers, and God uses our weight. God wants to do something greater in your waiting. How many of you are waiting? God wants to do something great in your waiting. So don't let your weight doubt what God said. Amen? This is his word. He's no man that he should lie. Don't let your weight doubt what God said. Because who wants you to doubt? The devil. So Satan's ploy, he wants you to doubt God's trust for you. As soon as you doubt God's trust, you look elsewhere. Trust God in your waiting. There is always a waiting season from prayer to praise. But if you today, you are standing at the door and you're praying, God, open the door in Jesus' name. God, open the door in Jesus' name. Well, you'd rather praise God in the hallway before he opens that door. If you're not, praying, not praising God in the hallway, you will not praise God when the door opens. So praise God in the hallway while you're waiting for the door to open. Number three, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. God invites us into kingdom advancement. God invites us into the gospel movement. Amen? God uses you and I, Warrington campus. I remember the first day when we walked into Warrington, and you were waiting. You were waiting for a breakthrough. Aren't you glad you waited? Aren't you glad you waited? And today you look around you at our Warrington campus and you see people are being baptized, lives are being changed, and the lighthouse in the city of Warrington is being reset for God to be used in a mighty way. Amen? That's what God does. God wants to be involved. He wants us to be involved in the things of God. So listen to this very carefully, my friend. The future of the church 
is not determined by technology or technique. The future of the church is the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit. You can use technique, you can use technology, but you cannot replace prayer. That's why National Day of Prayer, May 6th, we're going Old Testament style. We're putting up a tent. <laughs> I promise you there's no courtyard. There is all throne room. Come, May 6th, join the pastor. Join our team. Let's pray and trust God. God has invited us to pray for our city. God has invited us to pray for our land. Now, I know, you know, a lot of people say, I understand prayer, Sean. I understand prayer. My friend sent me this note. And this is what he says. My theology of prayer is much stronger than my practice of prayer. I know so much of what the Bible says about the privilege, priority, and practice of prayer, yet I struggle mightily to pray fervently and consistently. Putting theology into practice remains a daily battle. How many of you agree with my friend? Amen? We all know too well the words of prayer. But when our theology meets our practical obedience, we'll see something fresh ignited in the power of God. We know too much about prayer. We know so little of the practice of prayer. So why do some people quit praying? Why? Because we think unanswered prayers are reason to quit asking. Instead, it should invite us to be closer to God. So guess what happens? <clears throat> Got mad. You clench your fist. You harden your heart because God now needs to follow your agenda. And you are mad. So you make a face to God. Yes, that same God who has the stars in place, we get personally insulted when God does not answer your prayer. So what do you do? Quit praying. So I know you have an appointed time on your calendar to pray, on your phone. So the easiest thing to give away, prayer time. God loves me anyway. That's theology, right? You want to rationalize with God when Jesus Christ came to die, rose again, so that can you enjoy that moment with the Father and you put everything else as a priority. So delayed does not mean denial. Delayed does not mean denial. God is at work. I have his resume with me. <laughs> he has his resume. He never fails. Everything you need to know, it's in here. And the last time I read, we win at the end anyway. So you can pull your face, make a stinky face, and do what you want. You will just rob yourself of the joy of being with Jesus. We win. He wins. That's what we're talking about. So Matthew chapter 9, close to my heart, verse number 35 to 38. This is why May 6th prayer is so important. 
And Jesus went throughout all cities and villages. We can say, and Jesus went throughout Escambia and Santa Rosa. Amen. Teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And when Jesus saw the crowds of Escambia and Santa Rosa, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, then he said to Olive Baptist Church, and then he said the Warrington campus in Warrington. He moved around Warrington into the Pensacola Country Club, into the Navy base. Jesus has been there. And now he said to the Warrington campus, and he said to the Pensacola campus, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, not buy something, Therefore, pray. How do you pray? Earnestly. This prayer, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. This pray earnestly cannot be done in the courtyard. This pray earnestly is done in the throne room with God with weeping, with trusting. And as John comes, I'm asking you to run to the Father today. Warrington campus says, Jamie comes, run to the Father. And perhaps you are asking me, Sean, where is the harvest field? Perhaps today's lunch with your family is your harvest field. We want to see people trained at Olive Baptist Church to share the good news of Jesus. Amen? Can you today commit with me? Let us be that answer to that prayer. Let us say, Lord, Escambia, Santa Rosa, well, Alabama, sign me up. Amen? Sign me up today. I'm asking you to run to the Father like you have never run before. Come to the altar. Join me. Because God is inviting us into the throne room. He's inviting us to trust Him, and He's inviting us into mission. I'm asking you today, text the word 94,000. Text the word Savior to 94,000. You're watching online. Brandon Henry is online with you right now. Text the word Savior to 94,000. Church, can you stand with me? And can I ask you today, like my friends three years ago, can we experience something special today? I'm going to be here. If you need to know Jesus, guys, let me tell you, no one who knows Jesus will be thrown out of the throne room. Why? We have a mediator. He stands in the middle. His name is Jesus. And perhaps you don't know Jesus today. He's standing in the middle for you. Amen? So you grab someone's hand who's close to you and bring them to the altar. The enemy wants to keep you in your seat. And those of you watching online, get on your knees where you are right now. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, but where you are right now, if you're able, get on your knees and turn to Jesus. Can I ask you today, as we close our eyes, we bow in His presence in the throne room, can I ask you to run to the Father? At the same time, Satan wants to keep you there. Run to the Father. Let's pray like never before. Let May 6th National Day of Prayer start this very moment. I pray today 
that we will trust God like never before. Because people love to be around someone who's been in the throne room. Come to the throne room. Let's go, John. Come and join me. I'm asking you, leave your seat. Come and join me in the throne room.